Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So at the yeah. So at the um, the first um, meeting uh, after the new year, uh, Kate um, was uh, up here with me. And uh, Kate, uh, by the way, for those who haven't met her, this is Kate Janke. Uh, she's in the current teacher training at Spirit Rock. She's given talks here uh, many times and... Um, uh, teaches mindfulness and education uh, and has been a part of our community for a number of years and uh, now taking a more um, active leadership role both in teaching and also in uh, community building, which is one thing that she does uh, quite well. And uh, I uh, I was wanting to have more of a, a sense of community, of connection, Beyond uh, the the stalwarts who've been holding uh, the container for uh, for our community for so long, and uh, have fresh ideas and energy, and and extend beyond uh, that inner circle, and um, have a as wide a circle as we can. So, um, Kate uh, and I were. Um, here in the beginning of the month and getting ideas and uh, talking about Sangha. And then we had this um, brunch on uh, Sunday uh, that, as I said, uh, 40 people came to, and it was a really wonderful um, energy with lots of um, enthusiasm and ideas. So uh, we wanted to update you on that, and I'll just uh, hand it over to Kate now. Okay. How many of you were there on Sunday? Yeah, great. Does anyone want to just say what that was like for them, what the experience was for them? It was a really enlivening experience. It was just wonderful, wonderful to um, feel that connection with all the people that were there. You know, I've come to these Thursday meetings for several months and never felt that kind of connection till then. And it was just like a really, really encouraging and really fun, just lots of fun. And there were some wonderful ideas that came up there. So thank you. Oh, good. That was the word that, that uh, I said, let's have fun. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad that uh, that came across. That makes all the difference. Anybody else feel like sharing what that was like? Okay. So it was fun. <laughs> it was wonderful. It was really inspiring, actually. I was kind of um, taken aback by the numbers. Um, and I shared this with the group on Sunday. When I walked in, I came early to help Jane and James set up. And uh, I... Uh, Jane and James were debating how many people were going to show up, and their numbers were way above what I had in mind 
I was thinking 15 people <laughs> were going to come, and I was assuring them, oh, no, no, <laughs> we've got plenty of room, <laughs> we've got plenty of food, It'll, it won't be a problem at all. And then people just kept coming, and they kept coming, and they kept coming, and I looked at Jane, and she looked at me, and <laughs> just really amazing. The, um, I think there was such a, a pull to uh, meet in community, which says a lot about the community, um, as well as this desire to uh, enliven our practice and and meet together in a way that um, it's it's not just about it is about making friends, but it's something a little bit deeper than that. I think when creating community in a setting like this, and um, it's just really beautiful to see the effort and the enthusiasm that people brought with them on Sunday. And I feel that it, it's continued from that. So um, I want to update you a little bit on what happened and where we're going with all of this. So there were a number of... Uh, one of the things we did was a, a little brainstorming uh, which we did the, that first meeting, if you were here with James and I, the first meeting of the year. Um, so we did this on Sunday. And a number of uh, events and causes and ideas came up that were really quite wonderful. Everything from hiking together, um, playing music together. Um, there was ideas around uh, climate change, which relates, I think, very much to what James is going to talk about at the end here and the possibility of um, all the different possibilities that could come under that, that heading. Uh, people talked about the wanting to create a, a circle of care, so a way for our community to care for our, each other. What a beautiful idea and something that I think is available in other spiritual communities but not something we have at, at this one and would be really supportive um, to people as people are... Um, experiencing illness, um, people coming to the end of their life, and new life, people who are um, having babies and and maybe have a little too much on their plate as far as large families or whatever is going on for people in the community and and that we can actually meet people in their transitions and their struggles uh, with care and support. And so that's something that seemed to be quite interesting to people. Um, what else am I missing? I didn't write them down, no. <laughs> I'm pulling this all. Service projects, thank you. Yeah, so service projects, there were a number of um, volunteer opportunities that came up, um, uh, um, opportunities to go into soup kitchens together and, um, and, and activities like that where we might be able to give back to the community. Um, and another one related to that, uh, but maybe in a, a broader way, um, uh, coming together to create communities of uh, peace and nonviolence um, and, and what that might look like to envision that together and actually take action with that uh, as a commitment. So um, there's a lot coming here. With all of these ideas... There was a what we called an owner for each idea. So each of these ideas have somebody at the core who has said, "I will make this happen," which is wonderful. It's something that we identified as being really important. That um, not only do we have 
uh, people coming up with ideas, which is a really important role in creating community, uh, but also that somebody owns those ideas to actually make them happen. So that was something we focused on. And then the third thing is that we all show up for these ideas. So this is really important, right? So as these uh, events unfold and we start getting dates and locations and descriptions for each of these events and causes um, and maybe even committees that um, that we as a sangha go to them and go to the one, I mean, no, don't just go to go, but see what really uh, touches your interest and your heart and, and looks like something that you would be involved in. And then we show up. And then community begins to... Um, grow deeper and uh, maybe even wider. So those were the three aspects of creating community that we focused on. Mm. One of the ways that we are going to get the word out about these communities is through several different means. We already have the email lists. There's several email lists that you can join on the website, and that's something that's been going on for some time. Um, so events will be uh, put out through that if you're already um, um, uh, signed up for those lists or if you would like to sign up for them, those will be available. We're also going to enter into a transition with the website and uh, all of our our tech <laughs> and social media and all kinds of things are going to start to form. Um, uh, Walt Opie, who's here tonight... Actually, will you really make yourself known? <laughs> Walt, <laughs> Walt, somewhat reluctantly, but I think he's actually very excited about it now. <laughs> At the meeting, um, uh, volunteered to be kind of a point person for this creating of community, um, which we're really grateful for. And uh, he's also helping us with the website. Um, James, myself, and Walt met with somebody, uh, Brett, what's Brett's last De name? DeShepper. Um, this week, who, and he is someone who um, is going to help us uh, revamp the website. Um, we have a beautiful website right now that a lot of uh, care and thought has gone into it, and uh, there's room to grow. And I think as we begin to make community a focus, it's really important that the website supports that. Um, so we now have um, uh, kind of in the works this new website. We also have a new Facebook account <laughs> that Walt has created for us. How many of you are on Facebook, like really on it? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, so look up, <laughs> look up Insight uh, Meditation Community of Berkeley and please like it, and so that that can... <laughs> You'd better like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that that can grow, and that'll be another way for us to get the word out and to start um, communicating with the Sangha as a whole. We also have a new meetup group. How many of you are familiar with meetup? Okay, great. We already have um, a lot of people, almost 70 people have signed up without really much on there at all. That's um, kind of exciting. Um, Meetup, if you're not familiar with it, you might just check it out, meetup.com. And it's just a platform for communities like this to have a place to share um, events, 
um, share ideas for events. Um, there's a discussion forum on there just for our community. It also, you actually can see, because people put their pictures up, you can see who's actually in the community, which is really nice. And um, it kind of shows, tells you who you may or may not be connected to already. So it's just a nice um, social media uh, that we will start incorporating and start using. So that's another thing that um, both Facebook and the Meetup will have links on the website soon. Um, just uh, a couple of things about about that. First, Walt was uh, in the communications department and and uh, and ran the communications uh, department for some time for seventy years at Spirit Rock. So um, he knows about putting out the word. He used to uh, tweet and post for Spirit Rock and. Were you Jack Cornfield ghost ghost tweeting for Jack? Was <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> <It was> you? <laughs> but uh, you can ghost tweet for me if you you get around to it. I got no no problem with it. Um, and uh, and having an interactive um, website where we can have bulletin board notices and what uh, skills that people have or want to offer to each other and um, ride shares and and the community. Oh, and maybe it's a time to just uh, see about people's um, skills. And we're going to, do you want to say something about that? uh, About the website? Yeah, so on those lines, um, we are going to put together a very small committee uh, to... um, develop this new website. So we're looking for people who will volunteer their expertise um, and support in this process. So if you are somebody who knows and, and is skilled in web design, um, code, things like this, that's about all I know in the lingo. <laughs> but you know who you are. <laughs> and if you are interested, and have the time, too, if you have the time to help us um, put this this website together, um, come let me know. And um, not there m- might be more people who want to be help helping on this than we actually need for the committee. So just know that it won't. It's not open to just everybody who wants to be part of it. That we'll have to cut off at some point. Um, too many cooks in the kitchen, you know. So, um, but do do come up and let me know if you're interested, and I can take down your information and what your skills are and what you're willing to. Um, help us with. Um, and that'll be really, really helpful as all of this is m- mostly being done by donation and donated time and skills. So anything else you want to add to that? Okay. Um, social media. The last thing that I want to bring up is um, as a community, one of the things that we're in need of support with it's just the the mm, the ongoing um, uh, support for this meeting. So having people who are willing to help um, at the back table, um, which is actually a really lovely job. You get to sit back there and listen to the talk, and you get to um, meet the different people who come to the table, and you're you're in the know of all the events because you're sitting there with all the flyers. And is, you're the, the face uh, that people 
when you come when they come in, especially those for the first time, you're the one that they're greeted by. And so you can have this really wonderful relationship with everyone who walks through the door. And so we need support in 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 having people available for that. Um, and also for things like uh day-longs and other events like that. Um, I know that Ross and Nancy have been, and and many others, have been very supportive in doing registrations and, you know, checking people in at the door. Um, And I think you probably want some help with that, yeah? Yeah, so that was on my mind as I was coming here tonight, is just putting it out there that if that's something, a way that you feel you could really support the Sangha. That'd be a beautiful way to help support us. Um, and uh, you can come let me know about that too if you're, if you're interested in um, participating in that way. I do have my notebook tonight that um, if, if you want to give me your information, I'll be at the end available to do that. Um, another way that you can do that is just, uh, I think I'm going to give my email out. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do it. Okay, you can email me <laughs> at kate.a.janke at gmail.com. Okay. <laughs> I might regret that. <laughs> no, it'll be great. I'm really excited to support this. And... Um, it's really important, and I was I was thinking also. A lot of you may have come tonight not expecting this to be part of the talk, and we're looking for uh, spiritual inspiration, which you might get once I stop talking. But <laughs> I just want to point out how important this is to our spiritual practice. Um, that community is one of the refuges that the, the Buddha repeatedly talked about. And that it's one that we often forget about, I think, or we, we take for granted. We often put the Buddha and the Dharma on these pedestals, but sometimes we forget the importance of Sangha. And that these refuges are so vital to our practice. They're the places where when we are stuck in or clouded by or blinded by greed, hatred, and delusion, they're the places that we can lean in and feel supported and um, Unlike the Buddha and the Dharma, Sangha can literally come straight up to you <laughs> and point out, you know, the different, you know, where you might be mm, stuck or where your blind spots are in a, in a kind and caring way. And this is very important to our development and something that we can all do together. So even though this all sounds really technical, it's really important and um even if you're brand new to the Sangha and this is your first night, uh, I hope that you'll, you'll join us and get involved. What a wonderful way to start meeting people here. If you've been here a long time, um, then you have definitely something to share. And please do uh, get involved. So that's all I'm going to say about all of that. Yeah, do you want to add anything? Well, just, um, it's a funny thing uh, as far as the the relationship that you might have with a community where a part of us that might say, oh, I don't know if I can put another thing on my plate or oh, what if I commit and I can't follow through or, and there can be this ambivalence but actually 
once you do, uh, you feel a part of a community. And the more you uh, invest in it, the more uh, it's your community. It's not just some place that you come and visit on a Thursday night or hear a Dharma talk uh, either for inspiration or entertainment or whatever. Uh, but it's, uh, it becomes um, the spiritual home that can hold, hold you and hold your practice uh, as you go through the week, besides just on Thursday. So if, you, if there's a part of you that feels um, like you want more connection in your life or you want to uh, belong to something besides your uh, safe uh, inner circle and, um, and be uh, inspired by other people's practice as well as sharing your own, uh, then uh, this, is, this is the time to, uh, to join us. <clears throat> and if this isn't the time, then maybe two months from now will be the time or next year will be the time. But when you're feeling a sense of wanting connection, then um, uh, please, we'd love to have you as part of it. Okay. So, um, for those who weren't here last week, uh, we had um, Bob Doppelt come and visit with us. Um, Bob is a, a sustainability expert who um, is a longtime Dharma practitioner and uh, wrote a really great book, From Me to We, uh, using Dharma principles but in a non-jargony way, uh, talking about what is needed for a shift in consciousness that uh, can skillfully address um, climate change. And uh, he has been working, as I've mentioned, uh, working with uh, the White House and about um, 18 nonprofits that he is uh, amazingly coordinating. He's got an, a, a tremendous gift for organizing and coordinating and bringing out the best in people um, and helping the uh, White House stay on track with climate change and um, crafting a narrative that can be inspiring without being overwhelming and without um, uh, sugarcoating as well. There's a fine line between, not to mention all the politics that, that can be involved. Uh, and um, he came to the um, International Vipassana Teachers Conference that we held at Spirit Rock in June uh, and gave a very... Um, inspiring presentation that got all the teachers there from uh, from the states and abroad uh, thinking about how the Dharma, uh, how this is not just a Dharma topic, but that the Dharma has something very important to offer here. Um, by the way, last week he was also meeting with the city of Oakland and the city of San Francisco, and one of the things that he does is uh, he's developing, along with, uh, uh, with a team, 
uh, resilience projects for when things get very dicey, uh, how communities can respond, not just logistically, but psychologically, uh, and dealing with whatever fallout comes if there's some you know, major um, catastrophes. Anyway, out of that um, meeting in June, uh, a number of teachers, uh, including uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi and Tara Brock and uh, David Loy and um, Tanisara Larry Yang, and uh, a number of teachers have been crafting a statement which uh, has evolved over the last six months uh, into a, um, a, t- a statement on how the Dharma uh, can uh, be, uh, can give a, a meaningful perspective uh, and response to climate change. And it went up on the uh, One Earth Sangha website, oneearthsangha.org, either spelled out or the number one. Um, and uh, as I said before we, uh, before we had the break, uh, now it's recently gone up so that everybody can sign it who is uh, agreeing in principle. And we're going to be collecting, the numbers have gone up two, two days ago, it was like at 100 something for the teachers and now it's over 300. And uh, it was uh, also a uh, hundred something for the for the Sangha members, and now it's well over three hundred, almost four hundred. So it's just starting to to um, uh, to come out into the general population. And uh, all of the teachers that have been on the conference calls are saying, "Okay, now's the time to really put out the word." And we're going to be um, collecting a lot of signatures and just what we're going to do with it this is the next step as far as um, uh, being a um, a voice a united voice of uh, consciousness in this whole um, uh, conversation uh, so last week Bob was here and he read the statement and talked about it but it was a lot to go through if you were here it was just it's it's a it's a very meaty statement and what i thought i uh, i would do is um have us explore in the time we have together uh chunk it a little bit and have a discussion about this um and um yeah so i'll just um proceed in in doing that. Um, So I'll read a little bit at a time and then maybe I'll say some some words and or maybe if Kate has something to say or any of you and we can just digest it a bit at a time. It's called The Earth as Witness, International Dharma Teacher's Statement on Climate Change. By the way, as I read this first just notice what your relationship is to this topic is it oh no i don't know if i'm ready to get into something heavy like this i just came here to be peaceful you know or is it oh thank goodness they're talking about this again somebody wrote me and said please 
we can't just have one week of that. There's, there's so much that came up from last week. Just notice your relationship to it. And whatever it is, is absolutely fine. There's no one right way to be. But as much as anything, to notice how you're relating to this is part of your practice as well. Today, humanity faces an unprecedented crisis of almost unimaginable magnitude. Escalating climate change is altering the global environment so drastically as to force the earth into a new geological age. Unprecedented levels of suffering for all life on earth, including human, will result. Significant reductions in greenhouse gases and other actions will be needed to reduce climate change to manageable levels. But more fundamental changes are also needed, and this is where we can draw guidance from the rich resources of the Buddha's teachings, the Dharma. This statement briefly describes core Buddhist insights into the root causes of the climate crisis and suggests ways to minimize its potentially tragic consequences. I'll just stop there and see if there's any comment or anything that comes up for you just in in that so far. Not that I'm looking for something, but if you find yourself getting stirred or uh, reacting and... uh, Andrew, well, there's a bunch, so we'll we'll move through it and uh, take comments that are pertinent as as we come along. I just wanted to say, when you said, "Look and see where you, what your feeling towards this is," it made me think of how we are mostly in our culture trained to be passive. We are not taught in our schools or in our upbringing that we have any power to change anything. So I think it's tremendously inspiring to just entertain the possibility that we can. Thank you. Yes. I just noticed um, a tightening in my chest and the grief about this and the relief that it's finding places like this to focus our attention. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And it's overwhelming. Yeah, both. Yeah. And um, so one, one thing, one principle that I, I want to um, mention as we go forward, you know, in practice, one of the amazing gifts of the Buddha's teachings is he said, go towards suffering. Don't run away from it. That's what people do automatically all the time. He says, if you truly want to come to the end of suffering, it means you need to come to terms with suffering, directly face it. And as as somebody who helps support people in doing that, it's important to know our limits and face it to the degree that we're not overwhelmed, but enough so that we are staying in contact with it. As Thich Nhat Hanh says in one of his precepts in his order of inter- interbeing, do not turn away from suffering. Because 
especially given in a world where it's all interconnected, our turning away is also uh, has its its effect as well as um, turning towards. So this, you might take a breath every now and then as we're going through this, and mostly it's going to be focusing on the Dharma, uh, and we're not getting into uh, the science of things. That's available to anybody who wants. I, I recommend Bill McKibben's uh, Rolling Stone article, uh, uh, Do the Math. Um, that's uh, That'll give you a good overview. And his book, Earth, E-A-A-R-T-H, is quite brilliant, which is what shook me out of my complacency in this when I read it a couple of years ago. Bill McKibben M-C-K-I-B-B-E-N. Okay. As a starting point, the Dharma states that to formulate meaningful solutions to any problem, we must first acknowledge the truth of our suffering. The first noble truth. There is suffering in life. As shocking and painful as it may be, we must recognize that without swift and dramatic reductions in fossil fuel use and major efforts to increase carbon sequestration, global temperatures will rise close to or beyond 2 degrees centigrade. This, will incre- this increase will lead to injury and death for millions of people worldwide and the extinction of many of the Earth's species. Millions more will experience severe trauma and stress that threaten their physical, emotional, and psychological well-being. Just read it slowly to kind of take it in, let it land. By the way, uh, this statement was done with Bob's brilliant organizing uh, and uh, these phone calls that had 15 plus people on it. He just, he was a master at pulling in the Dharma points. He's a longtime practitioner and also getting the, the truth of the science in there. These stresses will in turn trigger social and political unrest. In a grave injustice, low-income communities, poor nations, and people systematically subjected to oppression and discrimination who contributed little to climate change will initially be harmed the most. Even worse, as frightening as it is, if we fail to make fundamental changes in our energy manufacturing transportation, forestry, agricultural, and other systems, along with our consumption patterns with utmost urgency, in mere decades, irreversible climate shifts will occur that undermine the very pillars of human civilization. Only by recognizing these truths can we adopt a meaningful path Towards solutions. So this is uh, the first noble truth. 
this whole statement actually is framed in uh, the, the framework of the Four Noble Truths. So just so you get a sense of it. So the first truth is coming to terms with the fact there is suffering. And in this situation, there's going to be suffering. <sighs> Take a breath. But just as the Buddha didn't stop at the first noble truth, he continued on to see the causes of suffering, the possibility of the end of suffering, and the path to the end of suffering. If he just said, they're suffering, good luck, it'd be a pretty depressing teaching, wouldn't it? But he went beyond that. But first we have to come directly into the facts. Okay. So that's the first truth. There's suffering and there's going to be suffering. The Dharma teaches us the origin of our suffering. The majority of the world's climate scientists are unequivocal that on the external physical plane, climate change is caused by the historic and ongoing use of fossil fuels and the greenhouse gases they generate when burned. Destructive land management practices such as clearing forests also contribute by reducing nature's capacity to sequester carbon. So this is looking at the second noble truth, the cause of suffering, and on one obvious level, okay, greenhouse gases and carbon are causing this problem. But we have to go a little bit deeper. The Dharma informs us, however, that craving, aversion, and delusion within the human mind are the root causes of vast human suffering. Just as these mental factors have throughout history led to the oppression, abuse, and exploitation of indigenous peoples and others outside the halls of wealth and power, craving, aversion, and delusion are also the root causes of climate change. Climate change is perhaps humanity's greatest teacher, greatest teacher yet, about how these mental forces, when unchecked in ourselves and our institutions, cause harm to other people and the living environment. Led by industrialized nations, the desire for ever more material wealth and power has resulted in the reckless destruction of land and water, excessive use of fossil fuels, massive amounts of solid and toxic waste, and other practices that are disrupting the Earth's climate. However, by acknowledging and addressing these internal mental drivers, we can begin to resolve 
the external causes of climate change. So this is something to keep in mind that the Dharma not only looks at the fact that they're suffering, but gives us um, a clue as to its cause, which can then give us some possibility of wise response. The Buddha was sometimes called um, the the great uh, the great healer, the great doctor, because what he did was see, okay, there's a problem here. What's the cause, and what's the remedy, and how does one get to that remedy? And where it says the key thing. Climate change is perhaps humanity's greatest teacher yet about how these mental forces cause harm to others and the living environment. This is the opportunity. This is the possibility of... shaking up an obviously unsustainable system the way our societies have set it up. I'm, I'm listening. Uh, I'm, I wrote a, uh, an article in the Huffington Post recently called uh, Inspiration and Joy Amidst Suffering and Loss, and I, I mention it there. Uh, the the climate change article, but I mentioned in the article um, somebody who's inspired me greatly, uh, this singer and songwriter, Vienna Teng, who her last, her most recent album, Ames, is just a mind blower, Uh, just amazing. And there's this one song called, uh, it's called The Hymn of Axiom. Axiom A-C-X-I-O-M is, uh, I've read an article, The Most Dangerous Company You've Never Heard Of. It's a billion-dollar data mining company. It's one of the main players that can tell you what you want even before you know what you want. You've probably, you're familiar with how this works. And all of a sudden, something pops up on your phone or on your, your computer that you had just been thinking about or looked up three days ago. And here's a sale on that, right? And this song called The Hymn of Axiom, and it's spelled A-C-X-I-O-M, um, is a hymn. It's a beautiful, creepy song um, sung from the from the point of view of the database where it says um, uh, we'll build you an endlessly upward world where we figure out your loves and your lusts isn't oh glorious oh glorious a brand new need is born you know Isn't that what you always wanted? Is that wrong? Isn't that what you wanted? I I 
encourage you to check it out. You can hear the song uh, and look at the words, the hymn of Axiom, Vienna Tang, T-E-N-G. But that line gets me, we'll build you an endlessly upward world of endlessly upward spiral of wants and wants and wants. And until you see through the game, you are lost in it. We're all lost in it. Okay, I digressed. The Dharma offers hope by teaching us that it is possible to overcome the detrimental forces of craving, aversion, and delusion. It's possible. That's the third noble truth. We can use the climate crisis as a catalyst to acknowledge the consequences of our craving for more and more material wealth and the pursuit of power and realize we must change our assumptions, attitudes, and behaviors. We can use the climate crisis as a catalyst to educate ourselves about planetary processes so we understand that the earth has ecological limits and thresholds that must not be crossed. By learning from our mistaken beliefs and activities, we can create more equitable, compassionate, and mindful societies that generate greater individual and collective well-being while reducing climate change to manageable levels. So that's the third noble truth. I'm sorry I didn't stop after that that second one, but just uh, before I go on, anything that's come up so far, and Andrew, all the way in the back, and put the microphone right next to your lips at an angle like you're eating an ice cream cone. Okay, I think I'm doing that right now. Um, what I'd like to say is I found last week's talk you know, very inspirational. And um, I noticed things that I hadn't really noticed before, like, for example, um, some guy pressure washing a, a sidewalk outside the Wells Fargo Bank in Oakland. And I thought how wasteful that was. Or, um, you know, in the cafe, people providing water without asking for it. And uh, <clears throat> also I feel that uh, maybe... It's very important for all of us to do the little things, like, you know, turning off the tap when we're brushing our teeth, wearing a sweater instead of turning up the thermostat. And I think that maybe if we think about, yeah, I can experience a little discomfort here, a little inconvenience, and maybe I can do my bit to, you know, help save the planet. Beautiful. So something that that you're finding, which I think is really important, is it's just in your consciousness a little bit more as you pay attention or let it land. Uh, I'm remembering when I was growing up, um, it's it's hard to realize this, but litter was not a big thing. When I was... You know, I don't know if you if you admit or remember, oh, just throw something out in the street. It it's I, I, I kind of cringe at the at the thought of not even thinking of throwing something out in the street when I was a kid, a little kid. And now it's just at least in many neighborhoods, it's not done. 
you know, let alone recycling and stuff. It just, it starts to become a shift in the way you think about things the more they're in your consciousness and they're in the collective consciousness, you know. What? You don't recycle? You know? There's no place to put the bottle here? Wait, there must be, you know. So having it in your consciousness and letting it land, this is the first, the first step. Anything else before we go on? Yeah. 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 Um, I was going to just respond to that and combine it with an observation here. Yeah. Okay. On an angle. Like that? Okay, my first time. Uh, When you bring that up, that kind of brought a memory to me because as a child, which I think by the time the the litter was happening, I was watching TV and they had this ad for a... um, this Indian, it was like the, somebody was throwing trash onto the highway. And, of course, we all thought Indians were cool. And here was this Indian chief standing with these, this tear coming down his eye. And I still remember the ad, even that, you know, it was like 30 years old. But I think things like that started to change. But what I see happening in society now, because I was comparing that with a... Um, I was clicked on some website. or But they were talking about mental health services. Mental health services like addiction and how to recognize, you know, somebody in your family. And I thought it was kind of like the same thing. And I'm like, well, that's kind of cool. But actually, it was an ad for the facility, <laughs> a private facility. But um, we need, to, I mean, I think there's so much potential there to bring that back so that we can start making those major shifts again. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, one, um, one more quick comment, uh, Larry, over here. Hey, um, <clears throat> I was just thinking when I was a kid here in the Bay Area and we grew up with uh, burning papers in the backyard. And I remember in growing up in Oakland, the pollution was so bad that my lungs would hurt to breathe. And driving over the Santa Cruz Mountains, looking down in Silicon Valley, it was pea soup down there. And <clears throat> just how much better... Just at a pollution level, it's gotten locally how much we've done as a society here to improve the quality. And yet, you know, it's really good to recycle in terms of our lifestyle, and it's helpful and a better way to live. But I look at the big problem with the developing countries, especially with China and India, and that's the huge problem that, you know, somehow politically – we have to find some way to address and uh, you know affect change. Yeah, thank you. Uh, let me let me go on because uh, it's a bit more. Finally, so we've done the first three truths. There's suffering. There's a cause of suffering. There's the possibility of an end of suffering. Finally, the Dharma describes a pathway of principles and practices we can follow to minimize climate change and the suffering it causes. The first principle is wisdom. This is in the Eightfold Path, the Fourth Noble Truth. The path is the Eightfold Path. And the first part of the Eightfold Path is the wisdom element, wise understanding and wise thought or intention. So this is following that Eightfold Path 
progression. The first principle is wisdom. From this point forward in history, we must all acknowledge not only the external causes of climate change, but the internal mental drivers as well and their horrific consequences. To be wise, we must also individually and as a society adopt the firm intention to do whatever is necessary, no matter what the cost, to reduce the climate crisis to manageable levels and over time restabilize our planet's climate. Now you might say, sounds like a good idea, but how could we possibly get there? To do the firm intention to do whatever is necessary, no matter what the cost, to reduce climate crisis to manageable levels. Well, this is going to be an interesting one to see how it plays out. In, in my mind, sooner or later, it will play out like this. How soon or how late is the question. But when the dots are connected and there might be some heavy dots to be connected that wake up humanity, when we realize this is it unless we change, then we change. How late that is in the game and what the, the effects of that delayed response, this is up for grabs. This is that gray area that the more consciousness there is, the sooner those dots get connected. But sooner or later, they will be connected. Uh, and that's the big question. As, as one of my friends says, we're in a race between fear and consciousness. And in the end, consciousness trumps fear. But on a time-limited process, uh, this is what makes it, as the Chinese curse says, interesting times. May you be born in interesting times. So, The second Dharma principle is ethical conduct, which is rooted in a compassionate concern for all living beings in the vast web of life. We need to make a firm moral commitment to adopt ways of living that protect the climate and help restore the Earth's ecosystems and living organisms. In our personal lives, we should recognize the value of contentment, radical, the value of contentment and sufficiency and realize that after a certain modest level, additional consumption material wealth, and power will not bring happiness. Now, that's an amazing opportunity here. When has the human species embodied the 
principle or the value of contentment. I can't remember in our history, maybe in the golden age of Greece or whatever, although they had their their parties there too. Um, But other than the great spiritual leaders or Gandhi or somebody like that, for the world to start grokking contentment as where it's at. This is an amazing opportunity here. To fulfill our wider moral responsibility, we must join with others, stand up to the vested interests that oppose change, and demand that our economic, social, and political institutions be fundamentally altered so they protect the climate and offer nurturance and support for all of humanity in a just and equitable manner. We must insist that governments and corporations contribute to a stable climate and a healthy environment for all people and cultures, for all people and cultures worldwide now and in the future. We must further insist that specific scientifically credible global emissions reduction targets be set and means adopted to effectively monitor and enforce them. So this is really talking about our actions and what we can do and what we absolutely need to do and work towards manifesting. I'll just, since it's time is, is going, I'll just read it to the, to the end slowly. The third Dharma training, again in the Eightfold Path, is wisdom, the relationships, right, speech, action, and livelihood, and then the last is the mental training, effort, mindfulness, and concentration. The third Dharma training, and the one that makes all of the others possible, is mindfulness. This offers a way to heighten our awareness of and then to regulate our desires and emotions and the thoughts and behaviors they generate. By continually enhancing our awareness, we can increasingly notice when we are causing harm to others, the climate, or ourselves, and strengthen our capacity to rapidly shift gears and think and act constructively. Kind of like what you were saying before about the power water. Oh, wait a second. What is going on there? Mindfulness increases awareness of our inherent interdependency with other people and the natural environment and of values that enhance human dignity rather than subordinate people, animals, and nature to the craving for more material wealth and power. That is, mindfulness helps us become more conscious and aware. That's why the practice, that's why Bob said, The Dharma holds the key to this, just by more awareness. As we each awaken to our responsibility to follow the path described in the Dharma to help us protect and restore the planet and its inhabitants, we may feel awed by the immensity of the challenge. We should take heart, however, in the power of collective action, 
Buddhists can join with others in their sanghas, and our sanghas can join hands and hearts with other religious and spiritual traditions, as well as secular movements focused on social change. In this way, we will support each other as we make the necessary shifts in perspectives, lifestyles, and economic and institutional systems required to reduce climate change to manageable levels. Now here's, for me, the sentence that I underline. History shows that with concerted, unified, collective effort, changes changes that at one time seemed impossible have time and again come to pass. Here's the last paragraph. When we come together to celebrate our love for the natural world and all of the beings that inhabit it, and when we take a stand to counter the forces of craving, aversion, and delusion, we reclaim our own inner stability and strength and live closer to the truth, closer to the Dharma. Together, we can seek to ensure that our descendants and fellow species inherit a livable planet. Individually and collectively, we will be honoring the great legacy of the Dharma and fulfill our heart's deepest wish to serve and protect all life. So a lot of thought went into this. Many, many hours and hours of conversations. So uh, this is not to be taken lightly. or I, That's why I wanted to go over it again because I want you to really hear it and take it to heart and hold not only um, that vision but how the Dharma can can hold this all in our hearts and to um, embody more and more that awareness that uh, will be needed to connect the dots and um, address this as wisely as possible. So um, we've run out of time and um, I'm sorry we can't have more of a conversation but I do really um, urge you to go to oneearthsangha.org and uh, tell your friends to do it too and sign it and um, rejoice that you're not alone in this uh, and share it with as many people as you can. What's that? On what? On social media, right, on Facebook and all of that stuff, yeah. So, um, thank you. Let's just close with a, a very brief loving kindness. Just once again, feel how much you love the earth, how much you appreciate it. It's so generous to us. And how much it is yearning for your wise action and your love and caring.
and being an agent of that caring as you go through your life. May we all wake up to the suffering, the causes of the suffering, the possibility of the end of the suffering, and awareness that and love that can lead us to that end of suffering. May all benefit from our coming here together and our continued caring. May all find the highest happiness and peace. Thanks very much. Mm, Have a good week. Thanks for community building. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.